keep standing, let's turn to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, from verse 10 to 17. Luke 13, verse 10 to 17. I'm going to read from the New International Version of the Holy Scriptures. The Bible says, On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by the spirit, by a spirit for 18 years. The King James Version said the spirit of infirmity. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. I like the way the King James Version says, Woman, thou art loose from thy infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indian, because, of the, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord Jesus answered him, you hypocrite, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the store and lead it out to give it water. Then should this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? 17. Then he said this. To all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. May the Lord bless his word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know why some of you look gloomy and you look like you're heaving your spirit. I want you to ask the neighbor, neighbor, are you looking for something bad to happen to you? Ask the neighbor, neighbor, are you looking for something bad? It's like you've been for long without having trouble. It's like you're looking for trouble to happen. <laughs> because when you start walking in sorrow, you are inviting sorrow. When you start celebrating, you are inviting celebration. Hallelujah. I was teaching a couple of youths on a certain program on Thursday. And in Proverbs chapter 22, it says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I said, the Bible did not say he that finds a girl. It says, he who finds a wife. Meaning the man is not looking for a girl, he's looking for a wife. So in order for you to be found, you have to be a wife before you are found. Mm-hmm. Now this is not part of our sermon, but I'm saying this in connection to what I said that if you want joy to locate you, start manifesting that joy. If you want celebration to come to you, start practicing that celebration. So if you are living in sorrow, you are always cloudy, always gloomy, you are inviting trouble to come. Learn to celebrate even when things are difficult. Let smile always be on your face. And celebration will come to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This morning, uh, I want to talk to you on the topic. Remember, every last Sunday of the month is usually our healing and deliverance Sunday. We've skipped that for a long time because of interruptions from different programs. But we're going to go back to that tradition. We take time every last Sunday of the month to pray for certain areas of our life as it concerns our deliverance and our healing because this is the will of God. 
Amen. Amen. Jesus came to set captives free. He came to heal the sick, to bind up the brokenhearted. So we as a church are embracing that same mandate. You cannot be in the house of God and continue to suffer from any captivity or sickness. The healing streams is flowing in the house of the Lord. And if you believe, it can flow into your life. So I want to talk to you what I captioned, deliverance from the spirit of infirmity. Deliverance from the spirit of infirmity. Practically, I would say how to be delivered from the spirit of infirmity. When the Bible says the spirit of infirmity or the spirit of sickness, it means there are diseases that people are suffering from that are not natural. There are people going through all kinds of tribulations in their body and trying to figure these things out in hospitals when those things are spirits. And until they understand they are spirits, they will continue to struggle and continue to fight and continue to seek for experts from one place to another. We've had cases where there was this girl who went to work. She got to work and then out of nowhere, she stopped talking. She just froze like this. She won't talk. She won't do nothing. They carried her to the hospital and she was there for days. For days. And they gave her all kinds of drips. They are giving injections. They are administering all kinds of medication. And the woman kept telling her husband, let us call my pastor to come and pray. And then a man said, God created science. And science can take care of this stuff. And so they were in the hospital doing all these things. And after many days of being in the hospital, you know, when somebody is desperate and frustrated, they, they, they will tend to try anything. Then he said, let us call that your pastor. So they came and called for me. I was somewhere, not even dressed like a pastor, but I decided to go. You know, wearing some, bend my, my shirt like that. I don't know what I was wearing exactly, but I didn't look like a pastor that morning. So when I got into the hospital, there were two ladies who were like our colleagues from the job sitting on the other bed because it was a private ward. So when I got into the ward, they were not expecting that somebody of this caliber could be a pastor. Then I was way younger than this, like way, way younger. As I got into the hall, the people looked at me and just continued their conversation. They act like nobody got into the hall. But as soon as I stepped in, I realized this girl was oppressed by a demonic spirit. And then I rebuked that spirit out of that, child, that girl. And I called up and I said, get up. To their amazement, that girl got up like she was sleeping. The people could not believe. But the reason why that reaction happened was because all this while, she was held bound by a spirit and not a medical problem. How many people are in hospitals today pumping themselves with medication? Taking all kinds of toxic substance into their body. Meanwhile, all they need is prayers. And the reason for this is because we have people who are more intelligent than the Holy Spirit. They say, no, God created science. You know, God works through medicine. There are things that medicine cannot solve. There are things that only prayer can solve. How many people are we buried in our families because we trusted doctors more than God? How many friends have we seen gone because we could not trust God for their deliverance or their healing? We were trusting experts, specialists. We took them to all kinds of hospitals 
and they all passed away. Meanwhile, God's healing virtue was made available. I'm not saying this morning that medicine doesn't work. But as a child of God, you need to know when medicine is not necessary. For example, you go to the hospital and you are dying. And the doctor says, we have done everything and we don't see what is wrong with you. And you keep looking for specialists. What are you looking for? This will tell you that this is beyond medicine. It is time to seek the face of the Lord. You close yourself into a room and you say, God, if you don't heal me, I'm not leaving this place. One woman had a complication in her stomach. They flew her to Germany. They went to Germany. They did everything that they could do, but she still had pain in her stomach. Then she locked herself and started praying. And in her testimony, she said, in the dream, in the night she was sleeping, she had a dream, where two men, three men walked into the room with a stretcher. The other man's face, who was like a doctor, she could not see. Those two men lifted her up from the bed, placed her on the stretcher, and took her to the theater. In the dream, that uh, surgery lasted like four hours. When she got up from that dream, she felt pain, like there was literal pain of, of a surgery on her stomach, but she couldn't see anything. Few days after, when she went back for a medical checkup, the doctor said, what happened to you? We don't see a trace of anything that was wrong with you because God himself had done the surgery. Amen. Do you know that God is the first laser surgeon? Because he was able to open the body of Adam and took the rib out without a trace. God started laser surgery before we could ever discover something like that. He started it. But why do we trust doctors more than God? Because we think that God cannot do it. There are things that when it's beyond science, you go back to the creator. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Yes. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Yes. In Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 13 verse 10, it says Jesus was teaching on Sabbath. The synagogue was places in those days for teaching. Unlike today where most Christians go to churches for entertainment. Some people find a church where if the worship is not good, the singers don't sing well, they don't go to that church. But in those days, people were looking for centers to be taught. Do you know that universities were started in churches? It was the church that started universities. Because churches were places for people to learn. It wasn't centers for entertainment. It was places for people to learn. So I want to encourage you, whenever you come to church, come with a mindset to learn. And that is why every Sunday that we stand here, I don't stand here to entertain, I stand here to tell you scriptures that when you leave this house, you go back with something. Hallelujah. The Bible says, thank you, because some people still don't get that praise a lot. Thing. They still say amen. <laughs> when I say hallelujah, you say what? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe when you go home, lock yourself in the Bible and say, praise the Lord 30 times. So you can remember. <laughs> the Bible says there was a woman in that synagogue who had the spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed and couldn't lift herself up. She was in church for 18 years under the spirit of infirmity. Now what does this mean? Being in church doesn't resolve your problems. Because some people think, if I come to church, my problems will go away. If I attend a certain church, 
then my problems will go away. It is what you do in church that guarantees your exit from problems, not the church. If you walk into a church like this and during prayer time we are praying, you are not praying. They are singing, you are not singing. Nothing is going to change for you. It is what you do while you are in church that guarantees your freedom or your healing. So you could be here and things are happening and nothing is happening to you because you are not participating in the things that are done in that church. Bible studies you don't attend. Fasting you don't fast. Prayer you don't pray. God could be present in that church but nothing happening to you because you are present but not available. She was in that condition 18 years. I guess after the first synagogue or scribe or Pharisee came and prayed, nothing happened. She accepted that this was my condition. And she was there for 18 years. Let me say this to you. Don't allow the length of your pain make you normalize your pain. Don't allow how long you have suffered make you accept your condition. It doesn't matter how long it, it has taken. God is always able. So keep trusting God. Keep trusting God. You remember Abraham. God gave Abraham a promise. It took 25 years for that promise to come to pass. Many said, I said, listen, have my mate and have a child. This thing is not coming to pass. Let's do adoption because she wasn't trusting that for all this period, God was still able to keep his promises. But the Bible says Abraham was fully persuaded that what God promised, he was also able to bring to accomplishment. Giving glory to God every day. So keep trusting God. I don't care how long it has taken. Keep trusting the Lord. I said keep trusting the Lord. Amen. Amen. The Bible said when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are free or you are loose from your infirmity. A lot of preachers might have come to that synagogue and not noticed her. But when Jesus came, Jesus immediately noticed her condition. Let me say this to you. When you are seeking something from God, don't focus on man. Don't focus on the preacher. Don't focus on the pastor. Focus on Jesus. Because if Jesus does not see you, no preacher can do anything for you. You can fly to Nigeria and come back without any solution. You can fly to South Africa and come back without a solution. But if Jesus sees you here in the United States, your solution can come from anywhere. When Jesus saw her, her situation was changed. And the Bible says Jesus laid hands, laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Jesus laid hands on the woman and immediately 18 years of crookedness was regulated. 18 years was regulated. Like I said, it doesn't matter how long it has taken. Jesus is called the impossibility specialist because he can fix complicated things. If you trust him, he can fix your situation. And then the ruler of the synagogue <laughs> was offended. And said, there are six days in a week for you to walk. Come on those days to be healed and not on the Sabbath. The same leader of the church who could not help this man for 18 years. Instead of being happy that the guest preacher I invited has prayed for the sister who has been in church for 18 years in crisis, he got offended. 
It's like, for example, I invite a pastor to this church. And he comes and prays for one of you who has been in a trouble for too long. And instead of me celebrating, wow, finally God has done it for my sister, for my brother. I get offended. This is what was going on. You know, even today, there are people with this same attitude who get offended for things like this. I've seen cases where a somebody living who fellowship in a particular church, one of these mainstream churches, is invited to another church. And she attends the church and a prophet prays for her and she gets free. She goes back home with the excitement to tell her parents what happened to her. And they get offended that she went to another church. They are not happy for her healing. They are more concerned that she left their church to another church. Or sometimes a girl in a church finds a husband in another church. Religious people do not celebrate that, oh, she found a husband. They say, are there no men in this church? <laughs> they are more concerned about her finding a man in that church, even if it takes 100 years, than celebrating that she found a husband. And the Lord Jesus answered, you hypocrite. <laughs> he said, you untie your donkey on a Sabbath day and take it to give it water. But you are angry that this daughter of Abraham was made whole. Listen to me. Having a religious spirit don't make you a Christian. Do you know there are people with a religious spirit? They know how to say, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. But as that same person, sister, can I get $20 to pay back? I don't really have. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The same person who is saying hallelujah, a religious spirit. When it comes to time to do what the Bible says, they don't do it. But the slogan is in their mouth. They, are, they wear long skirts, no earrings, no, they cover all their head, walk around like angels. Religious spirit. But when it comes to time to do what the Bible says, they don't do it. Religious people are more concerned about keeping rules than doing right. <clears throat> Let me say this to you. And I'm saying this to you practically. If you were going to church on a Sunday morning and then something happened to your child, let's say an allergy, and that child is taken to the hospital and the doctor says there is an injection we need to give this child right away and we don't have it in this hospital, go to the nearest Walgreens or CVS and get it. And that injection is $400. And the only thing you have on you is $400 and it's your tithe. What will you do with it? Religious people say, no, pay your tithe first. And watch your daughter die. That is the spirit of religion. Because we care more about rules than doing what is right. If Jesus was in that condition, what would Jesus do? Will he tell you to go pay your tithe while you watch your daughter die? But this is what we see today. You say, no, you have to bring the tithe to the Lord first. God first. That is religion. Tithes can always be paid after. But we have to do what is right. When Jesus healed this woman, what the synagogue leader was saying was scriptural, was correct. But Jesus Christ said, you are more careful to obey the law and you forget to show mercy and grace. There was a pastor whose daughter died because he was in crisis and he had no money. But the church had money. 
And he went to the treasurer of the church and said, listen, my daughter is in crisis. I need money urgently. Please give me some money from the church. And I'll give it back as soon as I resolve this problem. The, the treasurer said, no, this is God's money. We can't touch it. And the girl died. Is that Christianity? That is the spirit of religion. I'm not telling you this morning that, oh, now pastor I say, oh, I can take my tithes and pay my Netflix bill because <laughs> that's not what I said, though. That's not what I said. <laughs> that's not what I said. Don't take this out of context. And in verse 16, he says, Are not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound these 18 years, be loose from this bone on the Sabbath? Now, the scripture clearly establishes that she was bound by Satan. It wasn't natural. Like I said, a lot of people have lost members in their families because they couldn't distinguish between what is natural and what is unnatural. For example, a woman goes to the hospital at a certain time every year. Every November, she has a complicated stomach pain. Every November. Do you need a devil to tell you that this is the devil? Every November, you have a stomach. Just in November. Every year, you have a complication. Every December, something happens in your family. The exact same thing. And you can't even know that this is it. You are keep following medication, consulting consultants, and people are passing away. The Bible says we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. We are children of God, and we understand the devil's strategies. Verse 17, it says, When he had said these things, all his enemies were ashamed. And the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that he was done. I don't know what who has mocked you? I don't know the people that have rejoiced over your pain. God is about to shame them. Amen. I said God is about to shame them. Amen. Let me announce to someone listening to me this morning. Jesus is about to turn your pain into celebration. Amen. The God we serve, like I said, is an impossibility specialist. What that means is that he can turn your pain into gain. Amen. He can turn your mess into a message. He can turn your disgrace into grace. Amen. He can turn your grief into glory. Amen. He can turn your test into testimony. Amen. He can turn your trials into triumph. Amen. He can turn your mourning into dancing. Yes. He can turn your disappointment to appointment. Amen. If you trust him, God has a track record of doing impossible things. I said God has a track record of doing impossible things. But this morning, how do you get free from the spirit of infirmity? How do I get myself free out of this bondage? I've seen people who are Christians, but they have terrible conditions. And they wonder why am I still in this condition? This morning, I came to let you know you can be free. And how do I get to number one? In verse 12, if you read verse 12 of our text, verse 12. The Bible says Jesus saw her and he called her. He called her. Meaning, this woman had a choice to say, listen, Jesus, just preach your message and leave. I've been in this condition for 18 years and I'm okay. So the first thing you have to do is come to Jesus. 
You can be in church and not coming. There are people who have been in church and they've suffered so long that when a pastor makes an altar call for prayer, they say, mm, I've been to the altar call many times. Nothing is changing. And now they refuse to respond to the call. If you are going to get help from God, you need to come to God. In Isaiah 55 verse 1, it says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come and eat. Come, buy wine without money and without cost. You remember what Matthew eleven twenty eight says? Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The instruction is, come. In Revelation chapter 22, 17, it says, The Spirit of the Lord and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes to be free, come. The instruction is, come. In John 6, 37, it says, All those who the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes, I will not drive away. In John 7, 37, it says, On the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink. Let him come and drink. What does, he mean? What does this mean? Until you come, nothing can be done for you. Until you come. I want you to remember that Jesus is not in charge of this world. The Bible says Satan is the God of this world. So un until Jesus is given responsibility or invitation, he cannot come in. In Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door, I knock. If anyone hears my voice and open to me, then I will come. So until you give God your attention, nothing will happen for you. This is why you see somebody say, where was God when my daughter died? Did you come to Jesus? Where was God when this happened? Until Jesus is given attention, he can do nothing. So you can be in church like this woman for 18 years in crisis, in pain. And nothing is happening to you because you have not come. You need to come at this way and say, Jesus, I heard your voice. I know your word. I know what you say. And cry before him. That's when things begin to change for you. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Amen. Coming to Jesus is important because a lot of people are looking for healing in different places. I was praying for a lady who had a problem in the family. And as I'm praying, I hear in my spirit that nothing is going to happen. But I can't tell the lady, I say, the Lord said that nothing is going to happen. But I'm asking to myself that why? And then the Lord say, says to me that the only reason why she's here it's because of this problem. She wants nothing to do with me. And exactly as that prayer was over, she left and I never saw her again. Because all what brought her to church was that problem. She wasn't coming to Jesus. She wasn't coming to church. She came just because of the problem. But when you come to Jesus, you are saying, Lord, this is where I am. This is my dwelling place. I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I will continue to trust you regardless of the pain, regardless of the difficulties. I will be here until God do something for me. And even after he has done it, I'm not going away. This is where I am. Tell somebody come. Tell somebody come. I say, tell somebody come. And number two, in verse 16, Jesus said, Oh, not this daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 years, be free from an infirmity. 
So the foundation of her deliverance or healing was that she was a daughter of Abraham. And I asked myself, if she being the daughter of Abraham deserved healing and deliverance, what more will happen when you become a child of Jesus? Number two, become a child of God. Become a child of God. Because when you become a child of God, the Bible says healing is the children's bread. In Matthew 15, 26, when this woman whose daughter was possessed came to Jesus asking for healing, Jesus said it is not right to give the children's bread to the dogs because she was a Gentile. So when you come to Jesus, healing is your portion. Deliverance is your portion. Freedom is your portion. Prosperity is your portion. You don't beg for it. Jesus gave it to you. She received healing because she was a daughter of Abraham. What more of the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ? What more? Listen to me. Whose child you are determines what guarantees your freedom. If you are not a child of God, your healing is not guaranteed. You are eating from the crumbs from the master's table. But when you are a child of God, healing is your portion. The Bible says, whosoever is born again is a seed of Abraham and also an heir of the promise. Meaning everything God said to Abraham is now your portion. And if this woman received her healing because she was a daughter of Abraham, one more of those who have not believed in Jesus Christ, who have a greater covenant, stronger than the covenant God made with Abraham. In 2 Corinthians 1.26, For no matter how many promises God has ever made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Whatever God promised from the Old Testament till Jesus came, he said Jesus came to say yes to them. Any promise that was made in the Old Testament, because of Jesus, we can say yes, it is mine because of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we have a covenant with Jesus that is found on better promises. So become a child of God. And when you are a child of God, there is guarantee. Sickness may come, but you won't die in that sickness. I say you won't die in that sickness. God will always take you out. That is why when you are a child of God and you understand who you are, the doctor's report does not frighten you. I don't care if the doctor says your kidneys, your livers are all damaged. You come to me and say, God. Because you know, when Toyota makes a car, Toyota creates spare parts for that car. When Honda makes cars, he makes spare parts for that car. Let me tell you this testimony. A brother had a broken leg, completely damaged, broken. The bones were all shattered. And he was praying. And in that prayer, God gave her a trance. He gave him a trance. And then he saw himself in heaven. And then in heaven, there was a room that was full of body parts. Then he, when he got into that room and stood there, one of the legs that was on the wall flew and entered her leg, his leg. Then when he got up from that revelation, that, that leg was completely healed. What happened? God who created the body just replace her with a spare part. Amen. God has spare kidneys. Yes. <laughs> God has spare livers. Yes. So whatever the doctor says, go back to the manufacturer and say, hey, I have warranty. <laughs> I have manufacturer's warranty. 
This life has a problem. Let it be repaired. You go back to the manufacturer. If you don't say, oh, let me just, six months, I'm going to die. You know who you are. You are a child of God. Healing is your portion. Healing is your portion. And lastly, number three. The Bible says Jesus Christ laid hands on her. And immediately, she was made straight and glorified God. Number three, get a divine touch. Get a divine touch. Why did Jesus lay hands instead of just speaking like he spoke in different cases? You need to understand what I call faith connection. Whenever we pray for people and we lay hands, it's not the hands that makes them well. But that hands connect them to faith. It stirs up faith. And it's that faith that makes them well. When Jesus Christ mixed mud and placed on the eyes of a blind man, it wasn't the mud that healed the person. But that mud was a point of connection. Is anybody hearing me? It was a point of connection. When Jesus Christ told the blind man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, it wasn't the pool that made the person well. When Naaman told, when, when Elisha told Naaman, go and wash in Jordan seven times, it wasn't Jordan that made the person well, but it was a point of connection. So when we lay hands on people, it's not our hands. It connects them to faith, which brings the healing. This is why James 5.14 James 5.14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray. And anoint him with oil in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall heal the person. So what heals the person is not the anointing oil. And I say this because some of, some of you adore anointing oil. You can't do nothing without anointing oil. You are going to the toilet anointing oil. You want to fly anointing oil. There is no power. It is, it is a point of connection. So if you have no faith, that oil has no power. Is anybody hearing me this morning? If you have no faith, that oil means nothing. It is faith connection that we do these things. So you can be someone, you can be with someone in the room, sitting beside a great man of God, sitting beside a great sister, who has the gift of healing or deliverance. If there is no faith connection, if there is no channel or contact for the healing, nothing is going to be done for you. This is why people can attend great churches, attend great conferences, and come back empty because there was no connection to that anointing. So when an altar call is made for healing or deliverance, don't say, ah, I'm tired of all those pastors praying for people. You need to be able to receive. Is anybody hearing me this morning? I want to announce you that God's will is for you to be free from any sickness. There are people who have continuous change of diseases. Today your knee is spinning. It moves your knee to your back. From your back to your chest. From your chest to your toes. And you keep taking ibuprofen. You are drinking all kinds of substances. Not knowing that this thing is spiritual. When you are tired, you will come to Jesus. And that Jesus is going to set you free. Amen. I want you to announce, announce to somebody and say, Today can be your day to be free. Tell somebody, Amen. today can be your day to be free. I say, tell somebody, today can be your day to be delivered. God is here and is willing to heal somebody. If you believe it, stand up and finish and start thanking the Lord.
Stand up and start thanking the Lord.